But the people grew impatient on the way. They spoke against God and against Moses and said, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the desert? There is no bread, there is no water, and we detest this miserable food. Then God sent venomous snakes among them. They bit the people, and many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, We sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. The Lord said to Moses, Make a snake and put it on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it up on a pole. And then when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, he lived. Thanks be to God. John chapter 3, verses 7 to 14. Sorry. 14 to 21 would be better, I think. (laughs) Sorry. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. What a fortnight it has been at Kent College. What a fortnight. Um, Two weeks ago, on the Monday, it seems such a long time ago now, at Kent College, we opened our Garden Cottage Nursery, which is our new provision for babies from three months old. All the staff are 
you know, polo shirted and all looked very bright and bubbly. It's all very lovely. That was very exciting. Enjoyed that. But then, on the middle of Monday morning, we got a phone call from the Independent Schools Inspectorate, ISI, to let us know that on the Wednesday and Thursday of that week, we were going to have a compliance inspection. Nine inspectors across the school for two days. And then it snowed. <laughs> I think the lead inspector did phone ISI to see whether he had to come, given the weather forecast and what it was saying. But he was told that ISI bends for no one and nothing. Not even extreme weather conditions, and all that he needed to do was to pack his trusty ISI issue snowshoes, goggles and skis, and he would be fine. Well, the inspection went ahead. Through snow, icy rain, pupils not being able to get into school, and everything else. On the Tuesday night, Janet and I lodged our bursa at our house because she'd had to abandon her car in the centre of Canterbury. And on the Wednesday morning, we all looked over at the school and couldn't see that the lights in the kitchen were yet on. So at 6am, 6am, we uh, dutifully trotted over to the school, fully thinking that we were going to have to cook breakfast for 170 boarders and then welcome the inspection team who'd been staying in the abode hotel. Luckily, the kitchen staff bravely managed to get there. Well, it does help that our chef, lead chef, is ex-army, and she's done an advanced driving course, and she managed to get in from Whitstable that morning. Well, anyway, I can't, I can't tell you, I can't tell you, it's all very secret, what the inspection team said, but I can tell you that we're smiling. So at the end of that week, we all took a deep breath and went into the weekend thinking, well, nothing else can be thrown at us now. How wrong we were. On Monday night of this week, people started to fall ill. And before we knew it, we suddenly realised we had a pretty virulent 24-hour sickness and vomiting bug during the rounds of the school. It reached its height probably on Thursday. That was the day of Presbyteral Synod, and for once I'm glad that Presbyteral Synod uh, meant that I wasn't in school. That is a day that Janet, as full-time timetable guru, and our colleague who does the cover rotor will probably like to forget. Although, Janet has kept a copy of the cover sheets for that day as a memento and as proof that what happened on Thursday actually happened. There are times, aren't there, when we really feel like we are bearing just about as much as we can bear. Uh, it's not that we're surrounded by evil or anything like that. It's just that the weight of what we're carrying seems pretty heavy. All of those plates that we have spinning on poles around our lives, they all look as though they are about to totter and fall 
As last week ends and this week begins, and as I rush from this service today to get a train to Utoxeter, of all places, to do a school visit on Monday, I hesitate to ask, what next? Because I'm not sure I want to know what the answer is going to be. We carry weights. And sometimes those weights feel like crosses. Keep that in mind, because the passages that we have heard from the Bible today are about the crosses that we bear and the grace that is available for all of us. Here is a statement for you. The Bible doesn't like serpents. It really doesn't. I mean, humanity has always had a bit of a love-hate relationship with snakes of all sorts, Mostly hate. There's something about snakes, isn't there? They, they slither. They have fangs that can bite. Some of them are poisonous. And if you're walking through the African countryside with sandals on, you'd better be wearing all that kind of thing. In biblical times, of course, add to that the actions of the serpent in the Garden of Eden and you're setting serpents up for a hard time. In the book of Numbers, the people of Israel are complaining. Nothing is going right. And within that story, we have grace in the midst of judgment. There's time for another sermon at some point about the punishment, because that's God-inflicted too, but we'll leave that perhaps for another day. Grace in the midst of punishment. Moses has to make a snake, God says, put it on a pole, and those who look at the snake will live. There's something of grace in that. The people have done nothing, done nothing to deserve God's grace and saving. They've spent all of their time complaining, but the rescue comes anyway. Flash forward to John's gospel. Jesus is still having his conversation with Nicodemus. We're not entirely sure whether these are Jesus' words or the words of John. There's no real, really helpful grammar in the Greek that indicates whether it's Jesus' speech or not. But it doesn't really matter, I don't think. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, it says, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. So just as the snake that Moses lifted up over the people's heads on a pole was a sign of a grace-filled, loving God who is going to save the people no matter what, so it is with Jesus. This Jesus is going to be lifted up to save us. We've tracked back to the cross This is it, isn't it? This is the bit that's important. And I want you to notice that John doesn't attempt any complicated theory of the cross here. I mean, there are lots of theories around about the cross and what God is doing and how God is doing it on the cross. It's one of the reasons why we have that whole debate about the second verse of the hymn, In Christ Alone. Till on that cross as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. 
and we have rewritten versions of that, and we have a whole debate about whether it should have gone into the book or not, all those kinds of things. We could argue for hours over theories of what is happening on the cross. But notice John, the great theologian, doesn't do that. Jesus dies to save the world. Light comes into the world, but we cannot cope. It is almost as if we prefer darkness. But God gives us the light anyway. God, pouring out grace and joy and peace and love, pours out light for us. We do not deserve it. We have done nothing to earn it. But God gives it to us anyway. And that, for me, means that when we have our own weights to bear, our own crosses to carry, there is a presence to help us do that. As I was doing my reading and reflection for this sermon, one of the, read- the writers that I read talked about God protecting us. But I'm not sure protection is a word that I want to see in this particular area. I I see plenty of Christians who I don't think have been protected from all of the crosses and the pain that life sometimes brings. What I do believe and what I do see is that in the midst of pain, there is something, someone alongside of us who walks the path with us. We are not alone. We are accompanied. And that makes all the difference. To know that in the struggles that I face, the pains that I have to bear, I am not alone as I do that. That is everything. One more thing. John seems to suggest that we can bring light into the world by our actions, by the things that we do. Whoever lives by the truth comes into the light, he says, so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done by God. In other words, our deeds, our deeds of goodness and life and truth bring light into the world, strengthen the light that is in the world, That doesn't mean that we are being saved through our actions. This is not salvation by works. But John is saying that one by one, little by little, our actions build. They accumulate. They do good. They bring light and they make the light brighter and stronger and reach further. And that is our task to live in the light, to bring light, to look at Jesus as he is lifted up and in that to find our light and direction and our strength and our path. We will not be left alone. We may have weights to bear. We may have crosses to bear, but we will not be alone as we carry them. And in the carrying and in being accompanied on that path, And in seeing the light and in taking that 
and in taking actions that bring that light to others, we are more and more becoming people of light ourselves. None of, none of us have got there yet. We are all on a journey. But the journey itself is glorious. So let's delight in the fact that here at St. Peter's, we are journeying together in each other's company. Let us lift each other up and make sure that nobody in this congregation, this family of faith, that nobody has to bear a weight alone. Let's be beacons of light to one another so that if somebody is going through a dark time, they might be helped by our light. Let us be an enormous, lovely, glorious encouragement to one another. Let's encourage each other. Because in that way, in that way, we will guide each other on the glorious, tantalizing, wonderful journey that we are on to see God in each other and to share the same love that we see in Jesus with all the people that we meet. In Jesus' name. Amen.